Bottom Prairie, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, or wherever you are joining from. Welcome to Fresh Angle. I am your host, Danielle. Fresh Angle invites you to hear about new, exciting ways to see God, yourself, and others. How do thriving relationships sound? Guilt and shame gone. Hope, peace, meaning, purpose, and a joy that can withstand whatever life throws at you can be your normal. We often fail to realize these things all have a common source, a clear understanding of who God is, of how he feels about us, and how knowing the truth changes everything. Stay tuned as Pastor Dan brings us a fresh angle on God, life, love, and the things that matter the most. Hey, welcome back to Fresh Angle. Are you ready? We are coming to the peak of Hannah's story. So two weeks ago we left off, last week we interrupted the story with going back to Elkanah. Two weeks ago we left off with Hannah leaving the sanctuary. She ate and she was no longer sad, says the American Standard Version. And the message says that she ate heartily and her face was radiant. But what happened next? Verse 19 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Then they, her and her family, they arose early in the morning and they worshipped before the Lord and they returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. Although the child was young, then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. She said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Chapter 2 is a beautiful prayer of Hannah. I invite you to read it. It is amazing. It's the beginning of chapter 2. It goes from verse 1 all the way down to verse 10. And then I want to tell you that the rest of chapter 2 gives you some background into Eli and his family situation and how bad things are. And it's bad. His sons are literally having sex with the women who are coming to worship at the temple. They're doing all kinds of corrupt things. And they're the priests. This point in Israel's history, it is a super low point. I just want to read for you the beginning of chapter 3 to show you how low it is. Because we need to understand how bad it is before we can understand and appreciate the significance of what Hannah and Elkanah have done with Samuel. So this is chapter 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, that the Lord called Samuel. And he said, Here I am. Now there are some key words in here that we need to pull out because the Bible is condensed. It does not waste words. When it uses words that don't really fit, you need to pay attention. 
first word is before. Now the boy, Samuel is a boy serving under Eli, who is the high priest. But it says Samuel is ministering to the Lord before Eli, in first place, in front of Eli. Samuel is somehow, in some sense, superior to Eli, which makes no sense until we go further. Then it tells us the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Now we read the Bible and it goes from story to story and it's condensed and we can easily get the impression that Man, miracles were happening all the time. God was so close to his people. Where is this God today in my day? How come the miracles don't happen right, left and center in my day? Why aren't things amazing in my day? But the truth is, there were lots of dark, silent periods of time. And those periods of time weren't caused by God. They were caused by our choice to be distant from him. Well, everybody's got a story to tell And everybody's got a wound to be healed I wanna believe there's beauty here Cause oh, I get so tired of holding on Let go, I can't move on. I wanna believe there's meaning here. How many times have you heard me cry out, God, please take this? How many times have you given me strength to just keep breathing? Take this. How many times have you given me strength to 
was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. Now it continues. It happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. He's sleeping on the job, we would say. It's imagery for Eli is not doing the thing that he's called to do. That's why Samuel is before him, because Samuel in his boyish innocence is doing his best for God. Eli is not. Then it says, his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. That is not just a physical statement, that is a spiritual statement. Eli is not seeing things the way he could and should see them if his relationship with God was as it should be. Evidence number one, he would not allow his sons to do the things they are doing. He would take them out of the priesthood if he was seeing things as he should be seeing them. And then it says this, this is the clincher. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. There was a lamp in the sanctuary, a seven-branch candlestick. It was never to go out. It wasn't something that burned for part of the day and then got relit in the morning. It was to burn perpetually, 24-7. So when it says that the lamp had not yet gone out, the only thing that would ever cause the lamp to go out is if the priesthood completely failed. And that's what the Bible is describing for us, that the actual leadership of God's people at the sanctuary, the priesthood themselves, is teetering on the verge of extinction. It's bad. Before Hannah ever got pregnant, she told God, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. That's easy to say. And you listening, me personally, I have, I can't speak for you, but I assume that many of you listening have made deals with God. God, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. And sometimes we follow through and sometimes we don't. What I want us to see and understand is that I don't think any of us have made a quote deal with God of this magnitude. A childless mother says, if you give me one child, I will give my child back to you. And she did. That alone, if that was all there was to it, would be amazing. Then we need to consider Elkanah. He's the man of the household. This is the wife that he loves. She has finally been able to have a child and it's a boy. He could have stepped in and said, No, 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 that's my son. He's not going anywhere. But he agrees with Hannah that she can keep her vow to God. And so when he is weaned, which means not very old, two, three, four, maybe five, we don't know. She takes him to the temple in Shiloh, far from where she lives. And she leaves him there with Eli, the man whose own sons are a train wreck. The man whose sons are a shame and a reproach to everything that the sanctuary could and should be. It would be like taking your child to a private school where all the students fail incredibly and they're abused and they're molested. It's just a mess. And leaving your only child there and saying, God, I see what's happening, but I trust you and I told you I would do this for you and I'm going to do it. He's yours. Most of us would read this story once we understand what's actually happening and go, Not a chance would I ever. She shouldn't have ever. 
And we could have that debate, and maybe we're right, but it's irrelevant. She said she would, and she did. And what God does is nothing short of amazing. And even though there are no women mentioned in the next part of the story, come back next week and let's see what God did through the little boy that a childless mother gave back to God in the midst of a chaotic, pathetic, gross culture and sanctuary. See you next week. We're glad you stayed and invite you to join us next week for another Fresh Angle. While you are waiting, be sure to stop by our website at www.freshangle.ca. Don't be satisfied with less than the truth about God and how He sees you. If your experience with religion so far has been more fear than faith, shame than humble confidence, guilt than joy, or confusion instead of clarity, you have come to the right place and we look forward to having you back next week. If you like Fresh Angle and would like to hear more, visit youtube.com at Dan Wilson Pastor. There he continues his discussions on God, life, and modern issues pertaining to having a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell to stay up to the minute on the latest content.